Welcome back to You're Always Fine, a space to show up for yourself and embrace the mess that lives underneath because let's be real, it's exhausting always being fine. So grab your headphones and allow yourself to listen, laugh, and even cry because you are not alone and we aren't always fine. And that's okay. We are back with another episode of You're Always Fine. I'm your host, Christine. And I'm Lauren. Okay, so today's episode is all about grief, but not the grief that comes from literal deaths, the kind that we don't really always talk about, the unconventional deaths. I'm ready to jump right into this one, Lauren. Yes, let's get those jazz funerals started. (laughs) Okay, I have to ask, what is a jazz funeral before we dive in? So, you know, in New Orleans, uh, when they have like a processional, they have, it's called a jazz funeral. And it's like the really like colorful, it's, it's almost kind of like, seems like a celebration, you know, or it's just, it's their way or a way there that they have, have a funeral procession. And I think it's kind of cool because it's something different. I'm not used to seeing that. I'm used to seeing like the processional of cars and like the the hearse, you know? So this one, it's like, there's dancing. There's like the family members are gathered around. There's like a band, like a jazz band, like playing, walking like down the street. Um, I don't know that it's for every funeral, but like that is a thing there. So funny. We just, um, at the time of this recording, we actually just got back from a retreat, uh, a work retreat in New Orleans. We must have missed, we must have missed the jazz funeral, but when we were creating this outline, um, I know that there were so many things that we could have talked about and so many names that we we could have used. But mm-hmm. what I loved most about unconventional deaths um, as a term was that it really spotlighted for me the, the gravity of what someone is experiencing with the word death, while yeah. also kind of nodding to it being more than just one type of death. Um, So for me, I define unconventional deaths as all the deaths that occur in life that aren't end of life, (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. but maybe the end of something or the transition of what we have known into something that we have yet to know. I don't know, Lauren, can you go ahead and give us some examples of unconventional deaths? Sure. I mean, so things like kids leaving the nest, you know, if they're going away to college for the first time and you're finding yourself like losing that, that status quo, uh, loss of who you were before you became a parent. You know, I've, I have some friends that, that struggle with this, the loss of a job, the ending of a relationship, the loss of a different version of yourself, uh, the loss of friends after a breakup, the loss of a lifestyle, the loss of your health, um, or maybe you're just missing a different version of yourself. It could also be a death of a dream. Like sometimes when you just really try to fit that square peg into a round hole and it just still doesn't work out. Like it, it, that's a death of a dream, you know? And I will say this though, because I know there's a lot of connotation that gets drummed up around death because of it, its finality. But I will say that sometimes 
you're not ready to let things or people go just yet. And I would liken this to a quote, near death, end quote, experience. So sometimes that maybe just looks like taking a pause or a step back from a situation to reevaluate if this needs a freaking Vikings funeral or a renewed (laughs) commitment. (laughs) I think that um, that's an interesting point because growing up, at least for me, um, grief and death, they were very like specifically reserved for physically losing someone, like a, a, a literal death. Like even in grad school, I remember learning the the grief process in my death and dying class. And there was a very specific path, you know, it's the five stages of grief and you went through them one through five. And I think we've evolved a little bit from that. Maybe we'll have to ask busy when she takes death and dying to see if the curriculum is still the same, because I think grief is not linear. I feel like even at work, bereavement can only be taken for your immediate family or um, taken as outlined by your employer, essentially, which like to me, like just doesn't even make sense. Like if you think about it, like you want to say, that there's only three days of bereavement, fine. Um, but like to then go ahead and say like w- how you use those three days of bereavement is like next next level. So, and that right. doesn't even include if you have multiple deaths in a year or the death of a dog, which, or a pet, like those are all really big ones. And then mm-hmm. furthermore out, you know, this concept that we're talking about today, which is these unconventional deaths that really don't allow you to be at a hundred percent because you need to take a second. And I, I don't know. I feel like all of these are subtle messages that teaches us like not to honor these feelings or not to honor these experiences. Um, I don't know. Was that different for you? Did you learn, did you have like more definitions of death than I did? Well, no, no, I mean, I mean, I'm a nurse, so death for me is like mm, heart stops, brain activity stops, like, you know, that very literal sense. But I think, you know, as far as what you said to we kind of are conditioned in a way to not really have the space or time to honor those feelings or experiences. Yes, I think so. You know, that mourning process I think there's a lot of shame in grieving outwardly, whether that's imposed upon you or whether it's like from other people or whether it's self-imposed because it's a messy endeavor. Like think about, I don't know about you. I don't feel awkward when someone's crying or having a, a, a moment. I mean, maybe that's four years working in an inpatient acute psychiatric unit in an urban environment, but, but I, you know, like, Grieving is just messy. It's a messy endeavor and it makes people uncomfortable. But should we deny someone's process for our sake or should we give them grace and space to mourn? You know, because that mourning process really has to start with recognizing what this situation or person meant to you so that you can really start to pinpoint that those feelings and how, you know, maybe even further that to further that, like how this situation, relationship, job, et cetera, like, how did it make you feel? And what did you learn from it or them? Was the purpose fulfilled? Did you take it as far as you could or did it just simply run its course? Like it's okay to mourn 
the loss of something or someone that no longer is in line with your goals or in line with where you need to get yourself, you know, but I think it's also allowing yourself your own inner safe space to grieve and mourn. I really want to drive that home, which is like a lot of times when we don't know how to handle something, like even in literal deaths, like a lot of people don't know like how to handle. Right. But it's almost like there's this rule in which like, okay, well, this person died. We give them space and grace for this. And it's extending that definition, I think, to providing that same space and grace for like, mm-hmm. quite honestly, like the human experience, like, like you're saying, all these unconventional deaths of like, and transitions essentially, right? Like, and giving yourself the time to think that it's just as important as every other emotion or a literal death, because I think we do a lot of that self-sabotage when it's like, oh, I, you know, it's not that bad or I need to get over it, whatever it may be. We kind of impose that on ourselves. And then how can anyone else give us space and grace if we're not like even trying to extend that to ourselves? Exactly. And, you know, you talking about those layers of grief, so to speak, um, you know, I, (laughs) it's almost like a, like a, like molting or like shedding that skin with from within, because sometimes that death really does start from inside of you, you know, and maybe, maybe this is a part of your mindset and is a trans and it's a transformation actualized as a result of shedding pieces of you that no longer serve your purpose. Yeah. I think there's layers of grief and there is like that external, physical realm. Um, But I think there's also mourning of that internal world, mourning the person you were during a certain time period. There's so many aspects to that. And then when that ending comes or that transition comes, um, a version of you dies. Yes. Yeah. I call that shedding, shedding the skin from within uh, (laughs) because sometimes that death stems from inside of you. You know, and maybe this is a part of your mindset, um, but that transformation actualized can be a result of, of shedding pieces of you that no longer serve your purpose or like where you want to go or your goals. You know, there is something to be said about the very real grief in losing the person that you were when you were in that relationship or situation or time period and giving yourself that space and grace to work through those emotions. Um, But I'm curious, Christine, have you, like, what is your experience with an unconventional death? Because I know we all have them. Well, I think you kind of just hit right on it, Lauren, which is like, um, I talk about this all the time. I, I miss the girl I used to be before I was sick, you know? And to this day, I think I continuously grieve um, getting sick. And part of it is because, you know, again, there's the, there's no such like the five stages of grief are just, they don't go in order. Um, and then other times it's just because it's in my everyday nuance. Like I miss not having to think about whether or not this action, like going outside in 90 degree heat and 
running or like playing pickleball or something like if that is going to have a three-day effect like I miss just the luxury of like leaving my house without planning about the four-day forecast of afterwards and so like that's one that's like some of the grief I have and then other times it's like I'll look at pictures and I'll just you know remember mind you I love the person I am today I think my sickness has brought me so much but there's also, like I said, there's a freeness to the pictures, you know, and and then there's that over like idealization of like a time period as well. So you kind of have to combat that too, which is like being like, yeah, well, she wasn't exactly that mentally stable then, you know, like, um, because I had to bring myself down to earth a little bit and realize again, and like, kind of like correctly put it the right amount of emphasis on it. But, you know, there's so many intense feelings. I remember my therapist kind of, you know, saying, to me that like if I, I'd have to walk through the door of acceptance, you know, um, but what she didn't kind of tell me was that at different points I'd be asked to walk through it again. Cause for me, I felt like I've always taken my um, diagnosis and like kind of done with it, put it in a place and move forward. But, you know, at when I change jobs, it feels like another time it's put in my face when I have to explain to somebody why one day I can do something and the next day I cannot it's again put into my face. Um, and each time, you know, there's a valid reason to why like the grief is triggered. Um, but I mean, I, I didn't know when I got sick that there was this type of grief. I mean, that sounds naive, but I had, I just, I hadn't experienced anything like it yet. And so I know for me that, you know, it's something I continue to struggle with and continue to try to like, give space and grace to because again, like I, I didn't know it was even a type of grief. Uh, and then when it came to light, I again was ill prepared, I guess, cause I didn't realize that it was be, be one that I continuously kind of came back to. So I feel like uh, that whole like shedding from within and, and all that internal work you're talking about is the battle. Like I've been, on since yeah. you know that and like I said I mean I can bring up a bunch of breakups as well but like that's the one that's like most forthright in my mind um but Lauren I know you also went through a really you know significant change recently so I don't know walk us through kind of that experience oh man I did um so I have joked that uh, 2023 has been the year of me and when I say me like yeah there's some good stuff that happened but holy cow, did I weather through some shit storms with my castaway raft. And I'm, I'm still here with my like tattered little sail, you know? <laughs> um, but I experienced two very significant, very significant unconventional deaths. The first one being my divorce. I was married to my ex-partner for seven years, had known him for eight Um, and you know, I was at that near death experience phase like three years ago where I thought I want to get off this crazy train, but I wasn't ready. I wasn't, I wasn't ready, you know? And so the universe just basically said, well, I've got to shake things up. Otherwise you won't move, you know? And so it, it all came crashing down. I'm happy to say that we are still amicable. There is an obvious distance between us, but it was a peaceful passing, honestly. 
And, but don't, don't, don't let that fool you to think that I'm standing here today, like sounding the way I sound, because I had to go through it. I had to mourn the loss of the woman that I was in that relationship. That was not me. You know, that was not who Lauren really was. Um, so then I just felt like I was living a lie. Um, the death of a dream, you know, I'm a, a, a child of a twice I was just going to ask that is this exact question yes. was like, yes. did you experience, I feel like with these, these unconventional deaths, there's, these, there's, it's layered, but one of them being, you know, once you be, once, right. You have like a, it, it's not a scarlet A, but once you have a divorce, right. Like it's, it's like, you can't go yeah. back and like rewrite that no. part, nor should you, but it's still like a, for a lot of people is a, a big thing. And also um, I'm curious to know, too about like communication patterns. Like there's a comfort that comes, whether they're great patterns or not great patterns. Like there's that person that, you know, you can always text and it sounds silly, yeah. but like that, that is a really big, huge transition too. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, there were a lot of deaths that kind of were wrapped up in the death of my marriage, you know, the death of the woman that I was in that relationship, a woman that I don't even know who she was. She, I, that wasn't, I felt like it wasn't me, um, you know, for the most part, not to say that there weren't like happy parts, but yeah, it was the death of this, this woman that I was the death of a dream. You know, I didn't, I didn't go into a marriage hoping or expecting a divorce, but being a product of divorce, twice. I, you know, that was something that heavily, heavily weighed on me. So I'm still going through that grieving process. You know, it's, it's a lot easier now. It's not linear. Um, and then recently as if, as if 2023 hadn't already thrown me a bunch of curveballs already, I just said goodbye to a very dear friend of mine for like after a friendship of eight years and it was for totally separate reasons. But I mean, that was hard. That was a hard one to let go of because it, I just realized we were at such different places in our lives and the trajectory that my life was on and his is not, you know, and it just, it's not, it didn't match up. It's not going to jive. And therefore, unfortunately, he's not someone I can take like on this journey with me, but I can, and I'm, so I'm freshly grieving that loss, but also, you know, it, it had to happen. It just, it was just one of those things where it was just time to let both of those relationships go because it just was a weight that was being carried on me. You know, I think what makes um, these unconventional deaths also so tricky is death is very finite, right? Like in terms of like, you don't, as much as we try to like, we, we you know, we write letters to heaven and we, we send balloons up and we, and we try to fill that gap um, with death, right? Like it's, you can't talk to that person anymore, you know, like, which has its own set of issues. Um, but there's a unique set problem set that comes when you can just reach out. You know, like when you can just see how someone's doing and 
either for whatever your reason may be to not or to that that's its own type of grief, you know, or when you see something come up on Facebook, um, like, you know, maybe your ex is reengaged or has a kid or, you know, there's that's like another way that this is like stirred up, you know, because their life goes on or like, you know, a job. You can use the same thing with a job where it's like you leave a job and then like they have something good, bad or indifferent happen. Right. Like everything moves forward and it's yeah. just without you in it. And so I think that that's another layer of this, you know, that really makes it complicated because, you know, sometimes maybe there will be a place for re like you can reinsert or you can reach out. But a lot of times there's not. And that's a whole nother set of, I think. So a whole nother set of grief is kind of sitting with the fact that like you were just, you were a part of like all the steps to get there, but that doesn't mean that there's any space for you in the current version. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think that's what also and, makes letting go hard, you know? Yeah, of course. Of course. Because I mean, you're grieving something that really truly isn't gone. Like yes. it's not like it's poof, you know, cremated or buried down, you know, in the dirt, you know, it's still usually something that's, that's a living, breathing thing or person. And so it can be a weird space to live in, in that unconventional death. Um, but I, something that like, I don't know, for me, like I think about for me, because I, my personality is once there is a a quote unquote death, there's no need for me to open the lid of the coffin and keep peeking in it. I, it's a double-edged sword. Like it's helped me sometimes, but then sometimes I've been called cold hearted for doing it, but there's just no need for me to like, look back on that because I look at these unconventional deaths as deaths. They are final for me. There's, it just is not going to do or serve me well to like, keep this person or situation in my life. And that's where I think about, you know, when I was in a hospice rotation and I got a call to come and witness this death and it was a patient um, and his wife, they were college sweethearts and they were 65 um, present day back then. And so I went there not really knowing what to expect because I had never seen anybody die. Like I was still a nursing student, but it was, it was so transformative for me because I got there. And as I got there, like he was in the throes of like actively dying and he was doing what was called agonal breathing. And that's when like, basically it's just, it, you're, you're, gone for all intents and purposes, but your body is still just trying to hang on. And so the hospice nurse looked at the wife who was, you know, there in bed with him and just, you know, very, it was just very like methodical. It was like a perfectly orchestrated dance. There was no chaos. And the nurse said to him, she's like, he's still holding on. And at that point she grabbed his hand and she looked at him and said, it's okay. I'm going to be fine. You can let go now. And as soon as she said that, he took his last breath. And believe me, like I am not a religious or like God-fearing person, but there was a palpable 
peaceful stillness in that room. And I felt so privileged that that was my first death that I watched. And so I say that and share that with our listeners and with you, because honestly, that's how it feels for me, like in letting go of those situations or those people that no longer are a part of your metamorphosis. Like it will make you feel lighter so that you can begin to heal and find that peaceful haven. I like the idea that like we can create a peaceful transition for ourselves Mm -hmm. um, because I think there's an honoring and a processing that comes with that. And even if it's not something necessarily that like we have taken the active action on, you know, like if you're, if you have gotten fired or if you're being pushed into um, maybe ending a relationship that you didn't end or whatever. um, I like the idea that no matter what the situation is that you can create like a peaceful transition for you. Like you're in control of that. I I like that. Um, I mean, there are so many great ways I think you can do that. But Lauren, before we started recording, you had one that I just like absolutely loved. Um, And I was wondering if you can share your kind of tool, especially I think this tool is really great for either like the prepping of or, or maybe if it's one that you didn't expect or see coming. Um, Can you tell our listeners a little about that? Yeah. So uh, just a quick phrase, you know, a eulogy, vigil, or burn after reading. And what I mean by that is analyzing this unconventional death, you know, and, and in that process of recognizing what it meant to you, you know, what does it need to, for, what do you need? Keyword being there, you, what do you need to like start that process of grieving? Is it, you know, a reflection? Is it writing letters to this person or this situation, having discourse with yourself or with trusted peers or loved ones? Um, things like that so that you can help the process along in, in, in letting go so that you can get closure. You know, sometimes it's cathartic to like, you know, write that letter or write that, that eulogy or set a vittle, vittle, vigil, um, you know, but if it's a letter, especially like I've definitely done this where like I've written something that was just like angry to just get it off of my chest and I've burnt it and watching the flames like safely, I'm not out like setting fires. I'm not an arson. Um, but you know, like I've burnt it and just watching it consume those words and those feelings, like it feels like my, my healing like rises from those ashes. Or sometimes if I need to be a little more patient, you know, am I setting that vigil and just giving it like a remembrance, you know, but it's all about you and getting your closure and what you need, because this isn't about anyone else other than the timeline that you move through. Yeah, I want to underscore a few times, like closure is something that you can give to yourself, which I think is something we often forget. 
So be honest with yourself about what you need in these unconventional deaths and then give yourself the space and the grace to heal and transform. Absolutely. 100%. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to subscribe and leave a review. It means the world to us. Until next time, mind your health. Seriously, you're fine. You're fine because you have the power to access your place of peace anytime you need it. However, if you get stuck, we're right at the palm of your hand to help. Check out our show notes for this week's source list, recommended content, and Cabana live group schedule. We'll catch you next week for a brand new episode of You're Always Fine. The team at Cabana has found your reset button. The answer? Cabana Pods. Acoustic, soundproof boots with immersive micro-vacations proven to boost your mood in just five minutes. To learn more about Cabana Pods, visit www.evenhealth.com slash pods.